Friends, as we stand in this room honoring the word of the Lord, I invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 1. Our verses today are 16 to 21. Today we continue and conclude our sermon series, Blessed. We have been talking together over the past several weeks about how God desires to bless us, that we would be a blessing to other people. And today, as we conclude this message series, we're reminded and we're taught, we're instructed and encouraged that God blesses us through his word, that he's turned to us in love and he has revealed his person, his will, and his way to us. And in this, he blesses our lives, that we can bless others. So if you found your place, we'll read together, beginning in verse 16. For we do not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a came, voice came to him from the excellent glory, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom... I am well pleased. And we heard this voice. We heard this voice. Say with me the word heard. Heard. We heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have the prophetic word. We have the prophetic word. Say with me the word have. Have. We have the prophetic word confirmed which you do well to heed. You do well to heed. Say with me the word heed. Heed. We do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but by holy men of God, they spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Heard, have, heed. Heard, have, heed. Let's say them boldly together. Heard, have, heed. Heard, have, heed. Once again, heard, have, heed. Let's pray together. Our good and our holy God, we thank you that in your grace you have turned to us in love. While we were sinners and unclean and far from you, you turned to us in grace, Lord, to make yourself known and to call us to yourself. Lord, we thank you that we can have your truth in our hearts. We thank you that having your truth defines our life. And Lord, we want to be found in you and defined by you. And Lord, through the strength of your spirit, through the power that you provide, Lord, day by day, moment by moment, week by week, year by year, for a whole life, Lord, you've made it where we can heed your word. You desire to guide our steps and direct our paths. And Lord, in this moment, we thank you for that and we confess that we need you in this hour like we need you in every hour. And so, Lord, we pray that you would shine your light that we would see. In fact, Lord, give us eyes to see. 
your truth. Give us ears to hear. Lord, dig ears for us that we may hear your word. Give us hearts that are tender that would receive your word like a seed planted in good soil. Give us feet that would walk quickly to do your will. Lord, in the hearing and receiving of your word, make our frame strong that our work in this world would be like your own. And, and God, as we leave this place this morning, our prayer is that a word of life and hope would be found on our lips, that it would be a blessing to others. Lord, this is our prayer in the beautiful, the mighty, and the matchless name of Jesus. And we pray together saying, amen and amen. Friends, please be seated. I don't think I have to tell you this, but things are getting expensive out there. Uh, this inflation is no joke. I mean, and they're ratcheting up the rates to try to, that's sort of brutal too, but, but I hope it works to try to bring these prices down because they're real. I mean, you drive by the gas pump and you just hope you don't have to stop in, right? I mean, it's, it's tough. Then you go into the HEB and you've got the milk and the bread and the eggs and, and they're just like skyrocketing and not to mention other necessities of life like, uh, you know, Hawaiian punch and Mountain Dew and firecrackers and pickleball equipment. I mean, all the stuff you need and buy and have, I mean, the prices are crazy. Uh, just the normal prices are crazy. And some things are just sick, crazy, wild, crazy expensive. This past week, I got curious about that. And I, and I went to the Google machine and I typed in, in, into the little box, I typed in the most expensive things in the world. You should try this sometimes. It's a lot of fun. Uh, depending on how they measure this, you know, there's just about 20 different things that land on every single list. Uh, sometimes the International Space Station is there. On quite a few lists, however, the thing that really piqued my interest what was on the list of many, many folks, the most expensive things in the world was a yacht, a boat, something you can float in, in the water. The name of the boat is called the History Supreme. It's owned by a man named Robert Kuok. Robert Kuok is the most wealthy man in Malaysia. If you're, if you're keeping score, he's the 96th wealthiest man in the world. He made his money on Shangri-La hotel chains uh, and also sugar cane. So he got crazy rich on sugar at overnight stays. <laughs> I mean, apparently these things are very lucrative. And so he wanted to show off his clout. And so he built a boat and bought it piece by piece. The History Supreme cost $4.8 billion. That's billion with a B. Now you say, Pastor Matt, how did he build a boat that was that expensive? Let me tell you how. He filled it with some of the world's craziest items. He has a sculpture in that boat that's built entirely out of Tyrannosaurus Rex bones. I'm not making this up. Some of the parts of the ship are, are built out of gold and silver. Uh, he has an entire wall in the bedroom of this ship that's constructed from a meteorite. He's got a panoramic aquarium, 24 karat gold encased. He has a liquor bottle on that ship it has an 18.5 carat diamond embedded in the glass. Now, I'm going out on a limb and say he's not pouring uh, Thunderbird wine out of that bottle. <laughs> that ship is loaded, man. I mean, this is the most expensive craft in the world. And somewhere today, it's bobbing around out in the ocean. 
Some things are crazy expensive. But let me tell you this morning, that doesn't measure their worth. If we were able to find an angel, let's say we called up Gabriel and said, Gabriel, we needed some cosmic scales out here. Come hang them off the side of the Alico building. And we put that yacht on one side, let's say on the left side of the scales. And we put the blessing of God on the right. The blessing of God on the right. You know what I believe would happen based on the truth of God's word? The weight and the gravity and the gravitas of the of the blessing of God would so fall that it would pitch that yacht into the Brazos River. We could run down there just like pirates and take over that yacht and float on down to the stadium and just be ready for the Texas State game. (laughs) Because the blessing of God is the most valuable pearl in the universe. If you have it, If you know the blessing of God, if you have it, then you can know life and joy and freedom and grace and peace. You can be free to live, even if you can't afford a plastic kayak from Academy Sports and Outdoors. And if it's missing from your life, if the blessing of God is absent, you can tool around in a $5 billion boat in the middle of the world's greatest seas. And still be missing the life that is really life. Still be missing out on it. And here is the beautiful thing about it. God in his grace doesn't want any of us to miss out on the life that is really life. He doesn't want one of us to miss out on knowing the joy and the gravity and the beauty and the majesty of his blessing. He's turned to us in love to show us his will and his way and invite us into his blessed life. And friends, his word, his word mediates that way. His word is a channel for connecting with the life that he so longs to offer us, that he desires for us to live. 2 Peter 1, 16 to 21 sort of folds it out for us. It shows us the texture of God's gracious revelation through his word and our appropriating it by faith. And the words that we have before us this morning are are heard and had and heeded. We can hear, we can have, we can heed the blessed word of truth that blesses our lives. For just a few moments, let's look at those In turn, friends, we can hear the word of God. In in verse 18, Peter says, we heard this voice. He was giving testimony that he was invited by Jesus along with, with James and John into an experience where they heard the very voice of the Father. For a blessing to be a blessing, it must be spoken In their best-selling work called The Blessing, John Trent and Gary Smalley said this, A blessing becomes so only when it is spoken. And here is the wonderful thing about God. He has not been silent. He has not been mute. 
we have not been left to wonder. God has spoken. And Peter was bearing witness to this truth. He said, we were there, friends. We were there. And we heard that voice. He's bearing witness to the experience that he had when he was part of the transfiguration moment. This story is recorded in all the synoptics. I love the way Luke tells it in Luke chapter 9, beginning in verse 28. This is how he narrates the story. He said, now it came to pass about eight days after these sayings that he took Peter, John, and James and went up to the mountain to pray. And as he prayed, the appearance of his face was altered and his robe became white and glistening. And behold, two men talked with him. Now those two men were Moses and Elijah who appeared in glory and spoke of his decrease which was about to be accomplished at Jerusalem. But Peter and those with him were heavy with sleep. And when they were fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Then it happened as they were parting from him that Peter said to Jesus, Master, it's good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Not knowing what he said. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them. And they were fearful as they entered the cloud. Verse 35. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son. Hear him. When the voice had ceased, Jesus was found alone. But they kept quiet and told no one of those days any of these things that they had seen. Peter's bearing witness to this moment. He said, Jesus said, come on, guys, let's go. Let's go up to the mountains and pray. And as Jesus was praying, his face changed and his clothes changed. And there in the midst of that transforming moment, Elijah, the symbol of the prophets, was there. Moses, the symbol of the law, was there. The whole trajectory of Old Testament hope and promise was there on that mountain with Jesus. They were right there. And Luke was the only one to note this, but he noted it for us all. He said, and they spoke of Jesus' departure. The word there is exodus. His exodus in Jerusalem. Now, they weren't informing Jesus. He knew what was about to take place. Already in chapter 9, verse 22, he spoke of his upcoming crucifixion and resurrection. It was on his mind. He was trying to instruct his disciples about these things. They weren't instructing Jesus, but they were talking about it. You see, this seemed to be the central, the central event in all of hope and history. And what did they say? We don't know. We are kept out, but we know what they talked about. And there they were on the mountain. And Peter and James and John got to hear God speak. And he said, this is my beloved. Listen to him. Pay attention to him. They heard it, but Jesus also heard it. He heard down in his heart his belovedness he heard this same word at his baptism and he would take this beloved sense 
all the way to the cross, he would know about it. And here's the deal, friends. Because of God's grace, we can hear the word too. That's the whole point of 2 Peter 1, 21, 22. The, the prophecies of God are not private words. They're not for the special. They're not, they're not some kind of a fancy gnosis just for a few. They're God's gracious turn toward a broken world. God moved on the lives of the prophets to speak his word to a hungry people. And like water on a parched ground, his word has been flowing forth into this world, speaking out the very heart of God. And that word is a blessed word, and we can hear it. John certainly heard it on that mountain. Years later, he would take pen in his hand, and he would write the very words of Jesus in John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. Everlasting life. He said, God didn't come into this world to condemn the world, but to, but to rescue the world, to save the world. He came that you may have life, that you may know the blessedness of life renewed with God. Not chasing after those idols that lead you out on all kind of roads through, through dark ambition and escape and despair, but life-giving ways and roads of hope that come from the Lord. John would say it. He would call us the very beloved of God because they heard, because Jesus heard, because the Spirit continued to move, we can hear even this very moment. Jesus said, for God so loved the world. His sacred scripture says, for God so loved the world. And the faithful proclamation of the gospel inspired by the Spirit of God says, in this very moment, in this pregnant second, God so loves the world that anyone who would believe in the one sent would have life. We can hear the word of God because God in his grace spoke on that holy mountain and in dark valleys and in bedrooms and boardrooms and church houses, God yet speaks. And we can hear his word. Friends, that leads us to that second word. We can have, we can have his word in our lives. Jesus had it at his baptism. He had it on this mountain. He had it with him when he went to the cross. God had said, you are my beloved, and he believed it. Even in that cry of dereliction, that famous cry, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There is some evidence that even in that, Jesus carries with him a sense of his belovedness to God. He brings that voice and he raises us up to the Father 
and he's quoting the first line of Psalm 22, it'd be like me saying, turn to holy, holy, holy. You all know it's, it's hymn number one. And we know the first words, but we know the whole song. And those faithful Jews standing near that cross, they knew the first words, and they knew the whole song. And they knew before it was over, they would sing the words, All the ends of the world shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For the kingdom is the Lord's, and he rules over the nations. The writer of Hebrews said to fix your eyes on Jesus, faith's pioneer and perfecter. He endured the cross, ignoring the shame for the sake of the joy that was laid out in front of him. And he sat down at the right hand of God's throne. Jesus knew he would lay his life down. And in the same way, he knew he would take it back up again. And that the fruit of that death, burial and resurrection would be the nations of the earth coming and worshiping around the throne of a king saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of your glory. Jesus had it. Peter, James, and John, they had that word. Oh, they fumbled the ball in that moment, in, in that time before the resurrection, before Pentecost. They didn't know what to do with all of that, nor would I, nor would you. But after Easter, after Pentecost, the Spirit of God would bring all these things to their remembrance. And they would say with boldness, we have the prophetic word confirmed in our life. We heard that voice on the holy mountain, and it is true. Jesus Christ is Lord. He made good on his promise, and he will make good on his promises. He is Lord, and he is worthy of our worship. He is worthy of our lives. A little aside, one of the reasons why I think that the resurrection is reasonable for smart people is the effect in the lives of the disciples of Jesus. I think the most plausible explanation of what happened to those men is that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead and that they were filled with the Spirit of God at Pentecost because for the rest of their lives they were faithful to Him as their Lord and their God. They had His Word and it blessed their lives. And friends, we can have His Word too. One of those men on that mountain, John, said it like this in 1 John chapter 3. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Therefore the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved. What did the Father call Jesus? Beloved. What is John calling the church? Beloved. Now we are children of God and has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him and we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him, everyone who what has this hope in him, purifies himself just as he is pure. He would go on to close out his epistle with these words. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know you have eternal life and that may you continue to believe in the name of the Son of God.
a right that you may know you can have life in Christ. Not only can we hear the blessed and blessing word of the Lord, but we can have it. The pearl of great price can be in our hand and in our hearts. We can have it. Oh, that yacht's out of your reach. But the greatest gift in the history of the world is not because we serve a creator God who's drawn near and has offered us his life. We can have it. We can have it. And friends, if we have it, we can heed it. Verse 19, he says, You do well to heed this prophetic word as a light in the darkness. Now, we got to work with ourselves a little bit on this one because we don't really understand Peter's experience. Because when you walk at night in your neighborhood, there's enough ambient light for you to get around. Some of your neighborhoods have street lights. Some of your neighborhoods have lights on the end of the streets that the neighbors turn on. Most of our neighborhoods have enough light that we can get from place to place without a problem. In fact, that's true for most developed neighborhoods in the United States of America. We've developed so much light around uh, that people have even started to talk about uh, light pollution. Have you heard this? And so they're setting aside darkness preserves like you would preserve a wetland. And some of the great darkness preserves in Texas are out in the Big Bend. And when you go out in west, west Texas, when you're out in the Big Bend and they're preserving the darkness, you can stand out there and, man, you can see the stars like you can never see them in your neighborhood. That's why the McDonald Observatory is out there. You can see all of that stuff because of the darkness, all that stuff in the sky. You go to Marfa, you can even see the aliens. <laughs> or whatever that stuff is. You can see the sky. You know what you can't see? The road <laughs> under your feet. Let's say you're out at some place like Paisano and you got a cabin over here and 100 yards down is a cabin down there and you want to go see a friend in the dark. You know what you absolutely have to carry with you? You have to carry with you the light. Stars won't do it. You need something close to the ground. You have to carry the light. Oh, and you can't shine it all the way to Mexico, but you can shine it along the path. And it'll get you where you need to go as you follow the ray of the light. This was the experience that Peter had. If he was going to go anywhere in the darkness, he had to have a light. And he said, listen, friends. He said, listen, you would do well to think of the scriptures, the inspired word of God as a light shining in a dark place. Just like those flashlights in West West Texas alert you to rattlesnakes and javelinas and big boulders you can trip over and holes in the ground. In this dark world, the light of the gospel, the light of the scriptures, warns us of the challenges of the world and the flesh and the devil and keeps us moving to where God wants us to be. In saying this, Peter was simply reflecting the hope that was in Psalm 119, 105, where the psalmist said, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. We can have that word. And in following it, 
moment by moment, day by day, year by year, for the rest of our lives, we heed it, and in the heeding it, we are blessed. There's a great example of this in the experience of Jesus in Luke chapter 11. Jesus had said many times, the blessing is in the doing of the word. And in Luke eleven twenty seven to 28, two little verses, Jesus had been teaching and teaching and teaching and teaching. You got one of those old Bibles, it's just, just line after line of red. Jesus has been teaching and teaching and teaching. And one woman who was hearing him teach got so excited, she just interrupted him mid-teaching. Now, I've had these kind of experiences as a preacher and a teacher. If you've taught or if you preach, you've had these kind of experiences too. And this was a humdinger of a moment. Jesus was teaching and this woman just got so excited. She says, she just shouts out. She says, blessed is the womb that bore you. And everybody's like, wow, that's something. And she said, and blessed are the breasts that nursed you. I mean, in the middle of the sermon. You can imagine old Peter the fisherman going. (laughs) But he knew Mary, so he was going to keep it honorable. And Jesus heard that word and he said, you're right. But more so, blessed is the one who hears these words and keeps them. Jesus has promised to bless a life if we will hear and have by faith and heed by God's grace the truth of his word. So the question before us all today is, Having heard the word, do you have the word? He's turned to you in grace to show himself, to show his will in his way. If you by trust and faith said, Christ is my Lord. I was made by him. I was made for him. I believe what he did, he did for me because I couldn't do in my life what needed to be done to live a true and a full life. But Christ, he is Lord. Have you made Christ the Lord of your life by faith? Do you have his blessed word in your heart? If you say no to that, today can be the very first day of a journey with God. You may need to come as we sing. And you may need to come as we linger after this service and just say, Pastor, I'm not there, but I got some questions and I really want to talk about this. And I've I've, I've done things on my own way my whole life and and I want to follow Christ and I need your help. I fully believe God still speaks in this earth and he just may be speaking to you today. Accept it as a possibility the very least and if you can say yes I have his truth in my heart are you heeding it moment by moment day by day this is where the blessing is this is where the life is it's in keeping that word spoken by Jesus maybe today you need to just come on back to God and say hey please forgive me strengthen me I want to follow you as you lead me. Would you please stand? We are going to sing. We all have decisions to make. and some of you need to make them publicly, we invite you to come for your good and for the glory of the Lord.